0: When I launched, I knew I was gonna be coming home in about a year, but it was so far away that I did not try to think about, you know, how many days I had left. My mindset was, this is my life. This is where I now live. It will be over someday, but I just gotta deal with this day to day.
1: You're listening to What I Know from Inc. Magazine today's episode, think like an engineer and prepare for the worst. I'm Christine Legorio Chafkin, senior writer at Inc. Magazine.
2: And I'm Joshua Christensen, senior podcast producer. And this is not how we were expecting to be launching this podcast
1: series. No, it is definitely not. When we first started planning this months ago, we imagined frank, inspirational conversations with entrepreneurs about a small business world on the rise.
2: It would all be recorded in our cozy studio at our lower Manhattan office.
1: But then, like everyone else in the world, our plans were upended. In New York, thousands of people are
2: self-quarantining at home after they may have come in contact with the coronavirus. Traders are
1: preparing for the worst as the coronavirus spreads across national borders, raising fears about its economic impact.
2: More than 22 million Americans have filed for unemployment since mid-March, showing the historic economic impact of the coronavirus.
1: These are just astounding and, as you said, really sad and awful numbers.
2: In a lot of ways, though, doing this podcast became more meaningful.
1: Yeah, it became more urgent, too. The interviews I've been conducting with entrepreneurs about the lessons they live by became more about how to immediately adjust to this new matrix of reality. In what I know, I'll still be speaking with some of the world's most interesting experts, entrepreneurs, authors, and small business leaders— to hear their fascinating journeys and tap into their brains to find out precisely how they've gotten through their most daunting challenges. You'll learn why their strategies worked and how to apply them to your own life. For the first few episodes, our tack is now not just to instill a broad lesson. We'll be speaking to people with firsthand experience managing the types of crises so many leaders are staring at right now.
2: Our very first guest on the pod has all too much experience with crisis, and he's someone who has experience working in, to put it mildly, extreme circumstances.
1: Captain Scott Kelly is a retired NASA astronaut who spent almost a year on the International Space Station. Over four flights, he spent more than 500 days in space. And while commanding the ISS, he made the single longest space mission by an American, we decided there's no one better to tap for knowledge on facing uncertainty. And as it's really uncanny now, on doing so while keeping your health and mental health in check while being socially isolated.
2: Before we get started, we know a lot of Inc. readers and our listeners are business owners themselves, and we want to hear your stories. You can email us at inc.com or add us on Twitter Tell us how you're coping and tell us what you'd like to hear on this show. And since we're just getting started ourselves in this uncertain time, we'd really appreciate your support.
1: We'll be working on building a community around these topics and this podcast. And you can help start by spreading the word about what I know online. And don't underestimate how much it can help us just to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you listen.
2: We hope you love this first episode. We're calling it Think Like an Engineer and Prepare for the Worst, which is something important Scott Kelly will later ask us to consider. Now if you know of Captain Kelly, you know that his resume is truly jaw-dropping. But contrary to what you might think, Captain Kelly wasn't always an overachiever. In fact, in high school, he was a below-average student.
1: Yes, he told me he couldn't even focus through most of high school. His grades weren't great, and he had no passions he could see turning into a career. But
2: like a lot of entrepreneurs, he had a catalyst moment that changed the direction of his life. It happened one day when 18-year-old Scott wandered into a store.
0: I saw this book on the end of the shelf, on the end of the aisle. It was The Right Stuff by Tom Wolfe. I picked it up. I was interested enough in it, and then I read it uh, within a few days and I was inspired by it. And I, I felt like I had things in common with the guys that were in it. They were all guys at at the time, not, not anymore, but you know, things in common with the astronauts from a kind of a personality perspective, maybe, uh, considered myself a little bit of a, of a risk taker and, and that's what they were. And I, you know, I thought if I could just make myself a better student, maybe I could fly airplanes in the military maybe possibly be a test pilot, you know, maybe on an outside chance, maybe even an astronaut someday. And I know you look at that situation and people will think, you know, 18 year old kid reads book, decides he or she's going to become an astronaut. That's a, it's a giant leap. But, you know, in retrospect, it was much, much more smaller and manageable steps, but you know, one built upon the other. You know, the first one was hard. I mean, I I had to make myself into a a better student with uh, very little help. But I brute forced my way through that took, uh, you know, good year, year and a half to figure out how to study and pay attention. And, you know, eventually, I I, I got pretty good at it.
1: I mean, what's incredible about what you were just saying is that you know, it actually came true. You actually made it all happen. And and yes, that takes a series of steps, um, but quite coordinated, you know, little small steps along the way. And the other remarkable thing about that early part of your story is that your brother, uh, you have a twin, uh, and he sort of did the same thing.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he had a little different, he had a little bit different path into the military than I did, because when we went into high school, he all of a sudden became a better uh, student uh, like over the summer immediately, like the next year. I always wondered how that had happened. And he told me a few years ago, he said, you you remember in the summer of like between, I don't know, eighth, ninth grade, ninth or 10th grade, our dad sat us down and explained how we were such bad uh, students that he was gonna start thinking of a vocational education for us, some kind of vocational career. And I was like, no, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> you know, probably, probably only because there was like a squirrel running outside the window.
1: Right. <laughs> but that made an impact on him.
0: Yeah, but. If it wasn't for that squirrel, I probably would have went to Harvard or Yale or something.
1: Hey, you, you know you turned it around on your own and, uh, and and tell me about the military you know how did so you you took separate paths you and Mark your brother, I should say, but then you know down the road what what's crazy and what makes you American legends is that you are the not just the first twins to be selected to train uh, to be NASA astronauts, but the first relatives even. Tell me how that came to be.
0: Well, we just both, both just applied at the same time. And uh, in 1995, and wound up both being selected. I think, you know, NASA didn't pick us because we were brothers, uh, but I think there was a little bit of an advantage because of how the interview process worked. And my brother interviewed uh, a week, the week before me, turns out it was a few months before me because we had a government shutdown in uh, the uh, fall of 1995. So my interview was, was delayed. And I think it helped us in that, you know, they liked him. They got comfortable with him. And they interviewed so many people that are qualified for this job. I was on the interview board at one time, and I was uh, amazed at how many people were more qualified than me to do it. But I think the fact that we were twins, we had similar careers, similar personalities probably helped a little bit in that. They saw him, they saw me a few months later, they're like, well, we like that guy too. Uh, So maybe we really like both of them. And uh, well, they picked both of us, which was shocking actually. And when we got selected, a reporter called NASA and uh, the the guy who heads the um, selection committee uh, for years since the Apollo days, guy named Dwayne Ross, and they said to Dwayne, they go, hey, do you guys realize you picked two twins to be astronauts? And he said, no, we picked uh, two very qualified test pilots that happened to be brothers.
1: So they didn't seem to have any their sights set on using you two in some sort of experiment at that point.
0: Not at all. And that, that never even came about until after my brother had left NASA. Huh. So it was after I was assigned to the Year long mission that I had just posed a question to the uh, science uh, team. Uh, they were getting me prepared for the announcing of the crew, and I just asked them, Hey, since this is such a unique thing, a guy flying a U.S. astronaut, NASA astronaut flying in space for so long, we had never done anything close to that. Any consideration to do any kind of like genetic comparative studies with my brother? Because, you know, we, he's. A good control subject from a genetic standpoint, because we're you know 99.9 percent, our DNA is identical. Um, NASA had had data on him since 1995. Uh, he was familiar with how the science uh, program worked, so uh, he he seemed it seemed like a something that someone might be interested in. So I asked NASA uh, the science people in there said no no not really. Because if you're a scientist, uh, an experiment involves uh, multiple uh, samples to make the data statistically significant. And when you have a sample of one, you can't really draw any specific conclusions. It's not a statistically large enough sample. But NASA took my question, thought about it for a while, went back and uh, asked some researchers. And they said, oh, yeah, you know, we'd be interested in that. because." Anecdotal information, uh, one data point can be useful. You know, you can't draw a line with one data point. You can't see a trend, but you can see useful information that uh, might cause you to come up with other experiments. And that's where that genesis of the uh, that whole twin study started
1: wow that is that's totally remarkable i have to say i had no idea i thought that this had been you know a long considered uh nasa uh project not just that it came from from your brain from your mouth straight to them um i guess that's <laughs> maybe one of the reasons you uh <laughs> they liked you so much good good ideas
0: Occasionally a blind squirrel finds an acorn.
1: <laughs> so Scott, tell us um, if there's something that as someone who's aspiring to something great, you know, if you've got a big dream, you're younger, how do you set your sights on it and then start to take those little steps that you, you call them little steps? How do you start to kind of take those and see them through um, with the hope of reaching your, your ultimate goal?
0: Well, I think what's important is, you know, find something that you're interested in if you want to be successful. You know, everyone's got an interest, should have an interest. Everyone has talent. Uh, You just need to find what it is. And for me, when I was younger, I wasn't really motivated enough to do anything that I thought being a good student was a requirement. Uh, But it turns out it is. It's important because, you know, even if you're, even if you don't have these, like, lofty career goals that require a good education, well, someday you might, and then it might be too late. So, you know, you don't know what the future is going to hold. And having, uh, being well-educated is something that you will always have that will help you achieve your future goals. But I think it's important for for kids to pick something they like because if they like it, they're going to do better at it. And then just, you know, find what uh, what challenges you, what interests you, how you feel like you can contribute to society for, you know, your working life. Because it's important. You're going to spend a lot of time at work. So do something you enjoy.
1: Captain Kelly, can you tell me about your first space flight?
0: My first uh, flight was in 1999. It was... Uh, about three and a half years as after I started being an astronaut, so I was pretty uh, new and I was pretty young I was thirty six I think at that time and hey, it's your first space flight so it's a big it's a big deal
1: yeah what was it like what
0: did you learn uh oh, man what did I learn I learned that seven million pounds of thrust is a lot of thrust <laughs> that's what I learned in the first Second of my first space flight. Uh, an incredible amount of energy on liftoff. You know, I learned um, and got to appreciate and have the privilege of seeing the Earth from space. And incredibly beautiful. Our atmosphere, atmosphere is incredibly fragile looking, thin, like a contact lens over somebody's eyeball, is, is how thin and fragile our, our atmosphere looks. You know, I learned that we are, as a species, are capable of doing some amazing things, like building a space shuttle, a reusable space plane that is the most complicated aerospace vehicle ever built, and had this incredible amount of uh, complexity to do uh, multiple kinds of missions. Whether it's uh, being a laboratory in space, it's uh, can repair. Uh, satellites, which was my first flight. It was a Hubble telescope repair mission and has the ability to deploy satellites to bring things back eventually to build a space station uh, without the space shuttle. We couldn't build a space station. So I, you know, I really learned the capability, I think, of our technology and, you know, how if we put our minds to it, we can do incredible things.
1: We'll be right back after a quick break. Josh, what did you think of Captain Kelly? So
2: what I found so remarkable about him is is how incredibly understated he is. There's this humility there that I just didn't expect. Like if I were an astronaut with that kind of a resume, I would be the most arrogant person in the world.
1: <laughs> I think you're better off just making podcasts, (laughs) what I am struck by is that he found such inspiration just all of a sudden in a book, and he managed to take the right steps in his life to not just find contentment and success, but to make that almost absurdly wild dream his real life.
2: So after digging into Captain Kelly's origin story, you turn the conversation to what's happening today. In particular, you talked to him about spending a year in isolation aboard the International Space Station, and about his expertise on how to cope. He talked about keeping in mind that we are all in this together on a shared mission.
0: Well, I think it's important for people to recognize that uh, what they are doing is important. This is uh, our shared mission, battling this virus, and there are many, many different ways you can contribute to that uh, battle, but the one that we all have to contribute to is trying to um, keep away from one another and not uh, transmit this virus because it's highly contagious and is also, you know, very deadly as we've seen. So I think it's important for people to understand that what they are doing is very, very important. You know, spending a year or nearly a year in space was not easy, but one thing that made it easier. Was I recognized that it was my job? I wanted to do my job well, and uh, it was important. And I think people can look at this the same way. I know everyone's situation is different. I I and I really really feel for the people that have it so much harder than me. And I know it's easy for me to say, you know, sitting in my you know nice apartment in Houston, that people need to just kind of, you know, give them advice on how to do this, but you know, some of those people have a lot bigger things to worry about than I do. Like, where are they going to get money for food and rent? But I think I do have a little bit of perspective that can be helpful. And the first thing is, you know, recognizing that this is our job and, you know, someday it will be over and we want to look back uh, when it is over uh, that we did a good job, that we were part of the solution, not part of the problem. I think it's uh, important for People to um, to get through this to, to try not to think about when it's going to be over. When I launched, I knew I was going to be coming home in about a year, but it was so far away that I did not try to think about you know how many days I had left. I thought you know my mindset was this is my life, this is where I now live. It will be over someday, but I just got to deal with this day to day. If you ask me to guess how many days I've been doing this I probably couldn't be accurate within maybe five to ten days plus or minus because I absolutely do not think about it because I know that's a slippery slope. Um, When I was on the space station I tried not to count like down the days because I knew when I was coming home I did have an understanding of how many days I've been there but uh, it, it was my intention never to count down and, but then like Russian colleague is, who I was up there with a, for a year at day 100, he started counting down every day and it drove me crazy. <laughs> um,
1: Wait, weren't you commander? Couldn't, couldn't tell you him tell him, him to, to stop?
0: stop? <laughs> no, nah, he's such a nice guy. I could never tell him that. <laughs> um, and I think the way that people deal with it, have to d- learn how to deal with it day to day, there are some things they can do. I think it's very important for people to have a schedule write it down, have goals. If you're lucky enough to work, that's great. Uh, schedule your work time. Like I did living in space, you're always at work. So you have to make a schedule that balances your work and the rest of your life. Pace yourself. But schedule things like, you know, on our, on our calendar, we have, uh, you know, a wake up time and we have time in the morning scheduled to take care of ourselves. Just like in space, we call it post-sleep, hygiene, uh, having breakfast, planning the day, and then, you know, schedule time for work, schedule time for taking care of your environment. uh, You know, for us, that's mostly on the weekends, but in space, when you're isolated, your immune system's affected. Same thing in isolation here, our immune system's affected. On the space station, bacteria, viruses grow more quickly in that enclosed environment same thing here. We want to keep that stuff out of our houses, make sure it's clean inside. So schedule time to take care of your house, the stuff you put your hands on. Uh, I try to keep our front door almost like an airlock in space, bad stuff outside, good stuff inside. Schedule time for hobbies and distractions uh, from, you know, your, your everyday routine. If you can, I think time, you know, time with family and the people you're isolated with is important, but it's also important to have scheduled time away or or a place where you can go and be by yourself. You know, connections with people in, in space that was incredibly important to your mental well-being. So some people may find they're, they may be isolated by themselves. And I think maintaining a, uh, you know, those relationships as best you can, whether it's phone, email, or, you know, video video conferencing, like, we're not on video, but, you know, using the various software platforms available, if you have that capability is important. Schedule you know, time for exercise, time to go outside. Like I said, when you lack that, those things, uh, natural light and exercise, that affects our immune systems. And we need to have uh, the most robust uh, immune systems possible now, not only so we don't get sick, but so we don't uh, spread this uh, virus to other people
1: absolutely those are all really incredible pointers uh, for everyone to think about right now I, I would also add that a lot of our audience and a lot of what we deal with at Inc is businesses and small business and I think that it's really it's difficult to you to prepare for doing hard things which is something that you've spoken a lot about in the past when you are already in the thick of doing the hard thing you know people are already coping with this new world how can we kind of stop and take stock and prepare well, while, while already kind of under strain or stress. Um, I know that's something that, you know, you have to do as an astronaut constantly. Um, can, can you think back to how how you accomplish that and any pointers that um, individuals and leaders can take from that right now?
0: One of the things that NASA is very, very good at, and, uh, and one of the things I learned there, one of my big take-homes from being an astronaut is for 20 years is that you always have to think about what, what is the next worst thing that can happen? Um, and then what is the next worst thing that can happen after that? And and that's what NASA does. We always think, okay, so we've had this failure. Uh, what's the next worst case uh, that would make this worse, the situation? And by thinking, always trying to think with that mindset, Uh, allows you to be prepared when something bad happens. Maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe you over-prepare, but there's no harm in that. So I think people with with businesses right now and trying to keep those businesses afloat, you know, you you, want to hope for good times, but hope is not a plan. I didn't come up with that. Some smart person said it, but hope is not a plan. You got to plan for... What is the next worst failure? Uh, And that's what I think people just need to do. So you're not surprised.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, that's so funny. But that's how my dad taught me how to drive. (laughs) We'd be going down the highway and he'd be grilling me. What's that idiot going to do next? Like, what's the worst thing that car in front of you could do? What's the worst thing the guy next to you could do? And uh, I think, you know, it freaked me out a little bit at first, but I became a pretty good driver (laughs) after that. Um, Thinking back, like, what's what's a good example of that? Uh, thinking of the next worst thing that could happen
0: well you know like let's say is this the stuff you have in your house right I think you need to consider hey what if I can't make it to the pharmacy what if somebody gets sick and you know I have to take care of them how how am I gonna get groceries how am I gonna pay you know the rent what if it what if this continues for um, you know several months what kind of capability is there out there for people to uh, get aid in in uh, ways they haven't thought uh, to do otherwise, to get food. I mean, some people are really suffering during this. And, you know, I, I, I look at this from, from those perspectives, like the medical perspective, the, uh, you know, the supplies perspective, and the financial perspective as well. You know, everyone has a financial stake in this, and you need to, you know, figure out uh, try to figure out what's the best thing for you, and then what's the next worst thing that could happen.
1: Right. And what about the the mental health aspects of all of this consideration? Um, you know, I do think that as bad as it is for many businesses and individuals right now, we don't have actual like space junk hurling at us while doing a solo spacewalk. Um, it's not most days like life or death for most people. Sure, there's there's you know actual people struggling with um, COVID nineteen right now where it is, but for most of us at any given day it's just it's a lot of stress a lot of pressure and and maybe some like real financial hardship too but how do you take that strain and cope with it that the high stress environment do you have any tips for that for individuals
0: well it is you know this is a stressful situation and i know you know makes people anxious it uh, certainly there's an opportunity for fear there and uh you know, in this situation, for many, many reasons, uh, different for all people. And, uh, you know, I've had many opportunities to be scared in my life. And that's a natural emotion. Uh, The way I've always dealt and found a good way to dealing with with fear, because fear doesn't, fear fear focuses our attention, hopefully, but it can also affect our ability to make the right decision. Mm. And the way I've, I've always dealt with it is understanding that, you know there are certain things you have control over. Like if you're a business person, you you hopefully you have some control over your uh, your budget, maybe. Uh, you know how much you're investing, how much you're spending. you know right now you may not have control over how many customers customers you have, unfortunately, but there are certain things you do have control over. and focusing in on them, and avoiding the stuff you can't control, like how long is this situation going to last? Uh, you know, how long is the quarantine? How long can I possibly go? But just thinking about the stuff you can control so you focus on that, because that's the most important thing to focus on anyway, r- rather than the stuff you have no control over.
1: Right. So just Focus on what you can control and let go, let go of the unknown and just don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, always, you know, you certainly you want to be prepared for the the unknown if you can, but, you know, try to, you know, spend most of your energy on the stuff you have control over.
1: Let's talk a little bit about leadership. Um, Captain Kelly, where did you learn how to lead and and what did you take from those lessons that can help others?
0: You know i I came from the military I went to eventually I went to a military college. I learned a little bit of, a little bit about leadership there, uh, having that experience. You know leadership is different for every person every you know everyone has a different style, but I think the you know most important things are you know recognizing who your team is, uh, being a good team player, I think before you can be a good leader, you have to be a good follower. I think it's important to recognize what your limitations are, what you're good at, what you're not good at. You know, understand that we're all different. We all have different skills. I think it's uh, incumbent upon the leader to help the people around them uh, rise to the occasion and and perform at their very best. It's also important to understand that we are all different. We don't have the same skills and, and abilities. You know, I think for your business people out there, I think a good leader will. Try to look, like I said earlier, about, hey, what's the next worst thing that can happen to us and be prepared for that? You know, hope for the best, plan for the worst. You know, sometimes a good leader is, uh, you know, needs to be the cheerleader. Sometimes uh, sometimes the coach and sometimes just another part of the team.
1: Captain Scott Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Oh, well, thank you uh, for having me and uh, everyone be safe out there.
1: After my conversation with Captain Scott Kelly, I'm so impressed by his understated yet sturdy leadership, his ideas for staying sane, healthy, and productive in this unprecedented time, and his humility. But moreover, the big picture I think his interview illuminates is that during times of uncertainty, it's necessary to still try to plan ahead. When your courage or intuition aren't doing their part, just Think like an engineer and consider, if things get worse, how do they get worse? How would others react and how should I react if they do? From there, you can begin to prepare. And in the meantime, don't wallow. Don't count the days. Instead, set a routine. Do your job. Do your passion. Nurture and support the strengths of those around you. And don't forget to ask those questions a trained NASA astronaut would, including the all-important, what's the worst that could happen? What I Know is a production of Inc. magazine. Since we're just starting out, we'd love if you could please subscribe to What I Know wherever you get your podcasts.
2: We'd also really appreciate it if you could recommend us to a friend, or help recommend us to a lot of people by leaving your rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I know it seems like a small thing, but your thoughts really do count when it comes to getting us more attention.
1: You can also drop us a note anytime at Inc.com. Let us know what you think about charting the future during all this uncertainty and who we should have on as our next guest. Our producer, who definitely has the right stuff, is Joshua Christensen. I'm Christine Legorio-Chapkin. Thank you for listening to What I Know.